And I'm going to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 1 um, as we continue with where we've been going through. And uh, this is a good one for us to, to really listen into and take a grasp of, I think, and I, and I do believe. Um, the interesting thing is there's, there's a lot going on here in this passage in John chapter 1. We're going to be focusing on verses 43 through 51, but um, in the midst of where we are, it's, it, Jesus is headed into Galilee and specifically to Bethsaida. And it's a uh, little fishing village on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And we learned in this passage that it's the home of several disciples uh, that include Philip, Andrew, and Peter. It's also the place where Jesus would begin his trek to walk on water. There he cured a blind man and where he fed 5,000. To give you the context of what's going on, will happen in this area. And just before our passages that we're going to focus in on, uh, John shares the testimony of John the Baptist, which we kind of read in from Mark last week. And he focuses in on the part of um, Jesus coming alongside that with John's test, John the Baptist's testimony about who Jesus was and the calling of Jesus' first disciples. And today, we're going to take that next step within this story as we encounter Jesus going to call two more disciples, Philip and Nathaniel. Uh, and they come are called in the midst of two different terms, but yet a very similar phrase of invitation of come and see. And it's a, it's a simple invitation. It's a, it's a gracious invitation. And really, it, it kind of sums up the heart of Jesus' message and as well as the, the totality of the Christian life. It's an invitation to to be rescued, to be redeemed, and to be set free. Come and see. And yet, it's more than just those three words. We see it and we interpret it just kind of this, what's right there on the surface, and, and that's cool. I mean, we, we give that invitation all the time. Well, just come and see. And yet, it, there's a lot going on. It's a lot deeper and richer when we understand the context of these words from a Jewish person, a Jewish rabbi. That would mean a whole lot more than for a Gentile like ourselves. And so to fully get what Jesus is inviting and uh, saying and wants us to do, we have to go back and grab that deeper meaning of those three simple words. Because otherwise we get caught between two viewpoints. And actually we get caught between the two viewpoints that would have been in John's readers. John was likely writing this in the midst of Ephesus, which is a Greek city and it had Palestinian Jews and it had Greek believers or, or patrons. And the interesting thing of the viewpoint is the first one is a Greek viewpoint. Now, their viewpoint is fundamentally a visual culture. 
If you look back in time and you start to think about the contributions to our world that has come from ancient Greece in this time frame, you, you look in uh, art and sculpture and architecture uh, is phenomenal. The things that they built are often still standing. But at the same time, theater and literature and sports are a part of that culture. And then you look to Plato, which was, is considered the greatest philosopher of that Hellenistic culture. And he looked at what knowledge meant in, in, in his philosophy, and he viewed it as a, a depth vision that, that got one learned how to see beneath the surface to what truth was. So the Greeks believed that one gained knowledge through seeing and observing. That, that you could look at things and forms and shapes and that allowed you to gain ability of insight and foresight and even hindsight. From the outside looking in, and, and if you really think about it and you understand our history, this is where a lot of Western thought comes from. Especially the founding fathers of, of uh, our country were very much into Greek uh, philosophy. Now, the other viewpoint that John is writing to and, and very much understands is a radical alternative. It's dedicated to the art of listening. And I recognize that as a husband, I have not gained this art very well. Um, but part of this tradition of listening comes because of a word that is extremely important within the Jewish faith. Shema. Shema. It's a loaded word. It's, it means a whole lot more than just one thing. It's to hear, to listen, to pay attention, to visualize, to understand, to internalize, and to respond and obey. Shema means to hear what God is saying and to obey in, in response. Shema means to invite God's words to sink into your heart, into your soul, into your mind, and to become a part of who you are. And as a result, the uh, Jew would believe that God created them to be a people who concentrated on listening, on hearing, and on obeying. So to the Jew, God communicated through word. And that's why it's so important. John begins and, you know, the word became flesh. And so God communicates through words, not just visual symbols. God speaks. He creates. He commands. He invites. He calls. He, God uses words. Words that need to be heard. Words that connect us Words that create meaning and lasting relationship. And that's why the Jew, the most important and highest sacred act is that of listening. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. And while at the core for the Greek 
in contrast is this way of through the eyes. For the Jewish, it's through the ears. And it may not seem like that big of a difference. I mean, but at the same time, it creates a different journey. When, when we come to taking in information and defining and, and de- creating deep relationships. For the, for the Greeks, it, it allows, you could be distant, you can be disconnected to, to observe, to perceive, and to take in, in the information. I don't have to be involved. I just kind of have to watch. But for the Jew, you have to be engaged. You have to connect. They, they have to have relationship. Even the word knowledge, really, if, if you start looking it at it, its core is this idea, idea of connection and closeness and intimacy. And that's why it's used for, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and gave birth because it's the idea of oneness, of relationship, and of intimacy. So understanding God and knowing God requires one to enter into a relationship with God. You can't just read about it. You have to participate. And the way we enter into that relationship is through listening of words and sharing of words. And we hear and we listen to God and we speak to God and we understand that God hears and listens to us. And if we want to know how deep someone's spiritual life and spiritual relationship is with God, Jews would say, well, you listen to their words. Because the way they talk about God will let you know how well they know God. And so seeing happens mainly through listening, hearing, following, and obeying. So when Jesus invites them to come and see It's an invitation into relationship. And if we fail to understand that, we miss out on a lot of what is going on in this simple invitation. And so now I want us to look back into this passage with with Jesus and see what we can find for today. First thing I noticed is they're both, the invitations are different and yet the same. The way he approaches Philip is different than the way he approaches Nathaniel. Philip's invitation was not an accident. It's just like, it's not like he just was walking by, slapped him up and said, hey, get, get in line. It, it was personal. Because the gospel is a person-to-person message. Jesus goes to Philip and calls Philip and Philip goes to Nathaniel and he invites and then Jesus encounters Nathaniel and he calls him as well. It's person to person, heart to heart, soul to soul. And I believe that God's greatest plan is still person to person, heart to heart, and soul to soul. That God's greatest evangelism plan is one one person telling another person Simply about Jesus. One person sharing their story of faith with another person because there is no more powerful witness than sharing about how Jesus is totally transforming your life. Not just transform, but transforming, continuing, that you continue to be a different person as you follow Christ. But not only that, that an invitation to Jesus is a come and see invitation. 
Philip was not telling Nathaniel, hey, come and be amazed at just the, what's Jesus' look, what he looks like or what he's doing on the outside. Scripture tells us that as far as we, we can understand that Jesus was nothing really that great to look at that set him apart. That he was plain. And yet, let's recognize this. We like the flash and bang. We like the glitter. We like the things that look good. We, we like the outside, and it's easy for our eyes to get caught up in all the sight stuff. Because that's the way we are, and so we like things that shine. But in the end, people need to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus. They need to encounter the one who sets them free. They enable, they, it enables them to be forgiven and filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of that requires listening. It requires receiving. And it requires obedience. All of that require, which requires relationship. The reason Nathaniel decides to follow Jesus was not because he was wearing the newest clothes or because he had this great light show that he, he could perform. And it wasn't because he could do some miracle, because that's not involved really here. He followed Jesus because the words he heard resonated. They spoke true. He, he followed Jesus because God in the flesh spoke to his soul. He followed Jesus because in listening to Jesus, a whole new world was beginning to open up. And he saw because an invitation to Jesus is an invitation to experience a supernatural connection. Much has been made of this conversation that he has with Nathaniel because he, he tells Nathaniel, well, I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you doing this. But the truth isn't so much about what he said in that, but that he revealed a Jesus revealed a little bit of his own divine identity to Nathaniel through those few words of sharing about what he knew Nathaniel was about. Jesus merely revealed that Jesus was not bound by the human limitations in that moment. He, he allowed Nathaniel to understand that the person standing in front of him was a person that was more than worthy of his time and his attention. Jesus opened up a little bit of heaven for Nathanael to hear and to receive. And so in verse 50 and 51 of this passage, Jesus does even more by sharing a little bit of what will happen in the future if Nathanael responds to his invitation. Because Jesus knows and he wants Nathanael to know that there is so much more both to see and to hear. When Nathaniel hears Jesus' words, his heart, his mind, and his soul begins to be opened up. And then he begins to understand the truth that the person in front of him is the Messiah. The Lord, the King of Israel, he declares. He realizes that he's not just some rabbi from a know-nothing town of Nazareth. 
but so much more. In fact, Philip had declared, hey, he's the one that Moses told us about. And listening in is at the very heart of what Jesus did for Nathanael. And we will see later on in John, you encounter it's, it's the same for Nicodemus and the woman at the well and so many others as he, as he shares with them. It's not that God doesn't use visible means. It's not that God doesn't perform miracles and do these things because he does. But the majority of the time, he's encountering us through words, through hearing and listening and connecting And it lies at the heart of intimacy and deep relationships. Listening means that we are engaged. Not passively, but fully. Listening means that we are open to one another. Listening means connection and love. Listening means caring and listening that can lead to great life change. And the more we hear God, the more we truly participate and listen and follow through the better we become at listening to others as well. The more we tune our our ears to hear God speak, it's remarkable how much that will change and that we can hear the voices and needs of others. Now, as I admitted, I am not always the best at truly listening because it takes time, it takes energy, And I've grown up in a distracted world. Because listening requires us to be quiet. It requires us to give our full attention to another. Listening requires us to focus, to be engaged, to participate. Listening requires commitment. Requires us to be vulnerable listening and hearing, truly hearing one another, though allows us to grow closer and to truly experience one another. Now, as we read these passages, what we recognize is that John the Baptist, Andrew, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel were all transformed, not because of some miraculous thing that happened, although that will happen off and on throughout their story, but because they truly experienced Jesus. They experienced what, what only could truly come through personal invitation of come and see. An invitation to the supernatural connection with the Lord that would end up with a lifelong transformation and an experience that came by way of hearing and receiving Jesus as rabbi, as Messiah, as son of God, and as king. The question for us, though, is, are we truly listening? Are we truly taking in and understanding that that relationship is with God is far more than just an hour or so a week? That it's a constant process of putting ourselves before God and one another, constantly allowing them to speak into our lives as we speak into theirs. Come and see. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and lead us in that 
that song again. And as, as, as they come, I want you to think about these questions. Have you truly accepted God's personal relationship and invitation for personal relationship as Lord and Savior in your life? Have you allowed him to truly forgive your sins? Are you enjoying a life of come and see? Are you able to hear him speak in your life? Are you enjoying a walk of transformation that you are different each and every day as you relish time with God? And have you allowed Jesus to redeem you and to allow his Holy Spirit into your life in new and exciting ways? So I want to invite you as we are led in this song, where do you stand? Are you needing to process something a little differently? Maybe you need to respond to that invitation. And so the altars are open, and if you can't kneel, I understand, and the front seats are open as well. But are you truly listening and inviting and accepting the invitation that God calls us all to?